But how many people, have you guys ever like seen like just a dead animal like right in front of you? Like, like, I'm not trying to like bring back sad stories or anything. But, um, or like you see the picture, those are always really sad. Where it's like there's a wing flapping, but there's mostly just fluff on the ground. Uh, and you're like, uh, you're dead. Uh, me and my friend, I don't know I'm telling you this, but me and my friend uh, for a long time, Six months of my eighth grade year. Um, what do they call them? Not low torches. Uh, yeah, those things. Those got popular. You could like buy those at gun stores. And so we bought like this six foot blow. What is it called? Blow dart gun. A blow dart gun. And we were chasing this one pigeon that was like wounded. So many times. <laughs>
So sisters, oh, where is it? Uh, yep. So the sisters sent word to him, Jesus, saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. We're going to see that over and over again in the story. It talks about how much Jesus loves Lazarus. Verse 4, but when Jesus heard this, he said, this sickness is not to end in death for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified by it. It's like kind of church talk. He's saying, he, he, this isn't going to end in death. There's going to be glory given to God because of this. Verse 5, now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. We're going to camp on that verse for a minute. That's huge. Jesus loved these people. But something crazy bad happens to him. So when he heard he was sick, he then stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Verse 7, then after this, he said to his disciples, let us go to Judea again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just now, just now seeking to stone you, and you were going there again? He said, dude, they just tried to kill you. Why are we going to go there again? They just literally tried to murder you. Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble, because he sees the light of this world. But if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles, because the light is not in him. This he said, and after that he said to them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go, so that I may awaken him out of sleep. Verse 12, The disciples then said, Lord, if he has fallen asleep, he will recover. Now Jesus had spoken of his death, but they thought that he was speaking of literal sleep. So like, Jesus kind of being artsy here, and they're like, okay, he'll wake up, duh. And he says, okay, Jesus says plainly in verse 14, Lazarus is dead. And I am glad for your sakes that I was not there, so that you may believe, but let us go to him. Therefore Thomas, who was called Didymus, said to his fellow disciples, Let us also go so we may die with him. So when Jesus came, he found that he had already been in the tomb for four days. Now Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brothers. So this guy is dead. For four days he's been dead. He's in, he's in the tomb, or on modern day, he's in the grave. Martha, therefore, when she heard that Jesus was coming, went to meet him, but Mary stayed at the house. Martha then said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been there, my brother would not have died. Even now I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said, I know he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. God, that's, I know that stuff. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even if he dies. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? So the story, it's long and it's simple. Here's what happens. Finds out that this guy named Lazarus has died, or he's sick, he's about to die. And it says that Jesus stays there. He doesn't go right away. Already, that's like weird thing number one. Why? If he loved this person so much, why did he wait? So he goes finally to, to, uh, to help out Lazarus, but he's already been dead for four days. So Martha and Mary, this guy's sister, this guy's sisters are, are, are just like, Jesus, if you just would have been here, he wouldn't have died. And Jesus says, I'm glad I wasn't here. I'm glad I wasn't there for your sakes. He will rise again. And Martha's like, oh, I know, God, I know that church talk. One of these days he's going to rise again. We're going to spend forever together in eternity. And Jesus says, no, you're not listening. I am the resurrection and the life. So what I want to do tonight is just kind of pick a couple of these verses that maybe you've looked at before. And, and I want to see for us as 6th through 12th graders in a house 
Refuge Unplugged, what does this mean? Is this just a story of a dead guy who got raised to life? Or is there actual application for you and I today? So check out verse 16, or verse 5 and 6, sorry. Verse 5 and 6. Let me get back there. Look back at that. Jesus just finds out that he's sick, and he says, Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister Lazarus. So when he heard that he was sick, he then stayed longer. When I read that this week, I'm like, dude, that's weird. Like if I love my friend, and any of you guys, and some of you guys, were, we don't really know each other that well. But if I heard, you know, Taylor is sick, like she's dying, Scott, and you're, I know, I'm sad. Um, I'm really sad. She's dying, and, and it'll only take you a day or two days to walk, and, and I think you'll make it, to walk to her. And, and, and heal her. You have the ointment. You have the, you know, the, the medicine to heal Taylor. And I'm like, oh, I love Taylor. But I'm, I'm just going to stay here for a couple days. That's, that's really weird. I don't know if you think kind of how weird that is. But uh, here's why I think that the Bible says that Jesus waited. Because of his love. Like, because he loved Lazarus and Martha and Mary, it says he waited so that he would die. Here's what I think that means is we kind of have a jacked view of God's love. Here's what I think when I, when I sometimes think of God's love. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Hallelujah. Amen. God's love is good. My life's going to be complete. My joy will be complete. And amen. That's true. Jesus died for us. His love is that he came for you and I. But here's me and Michael were just talking this week. Here's what I think a huge, huge, huge mistake is in some churches. We've been talking about this at Hope in the last couple of weeks. Is it very significant for us at Refuge to make sure we are teaching students, the next generation of Jesus followers, right theology? Here's what that means. We want to portray to you what the Bible actually says about God's love and not a feel-good, happy version of God's love. I do you a disservice if all I tell you is, man, God loves you, your life's going to be great, your life's going to be happy, no pain, no suffering, no heartbreak, your life's just going to be good, give your life to Christ. That's not what the Bible says. It says that God loved Lazarus, so we let him die. That's, that's crazy. That's heavy. Not only says John 3.16, but also 11.5 is God's love. 11.5, 11.6, he let him die. First blank that you guys have there. Here's what I believe God's love equals. It doesn't equal happiness. It doesn't equal no heartbreak. It doesn't equal always things always going your way. God's love equals Jesus's life. Let me explain that. John 3.16 For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. God's love, Jesus' life. Romans 5.8 God demonstrates his love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. God's love Jesus' life. So in this story, we see 
Jesus' life doesn't always equal happiness, no heartbreak, no pain, no suffering. And why do I tell you that? To be a bummer? No. But if we send you off to college out of refuge and you think, dude, God's love is all over me, I'm happy, my life's going to be perfect, and one thing happens to you that wrecks it, your mom or dad get divorced, something gnarly happens with your family, you come with a sickness or get ill like Lazarus, your faith goes down the drain. Where's God now? And we see it all the time. Where's God? In the story of Lazarus, God was right there. In fact, that was his plan, is that Lazarus would die so that for generations and generations and generations we would see the story that Jesus, his life, is what equals God's love. Check out verse 14 and 15. Close my Bible, I'm not used to not having it on the screen. John 11, 14 and 15, here's what it says. So Jesus then said to them plainly, Lazarus is dead, and I'm glad for your sakes that I was not there, so that you may believe. But let us go to him. He says, I'm glad for your sakes that Lazarus is dead. I'm glad that somebody that I love died. Okay, I don't know if that's clicking. That's really kind of jacked up. I'm glad that somebody I love died for your sakes. Here's what I think Jesus meant by that. I'm glad for your sakes, my disciples, but I'm also glad for your sakes, refuge. I'm also glad for your sakes, students of Las Vegas, students of all over the country, for generations and generations and generations of Jesus followers. I'm glad that Lazarus died because I want to show you something. I want to show you that I am life. And I bring people who are dead back to life. Here's what that means for me. Maybe for you, I don't know where you are with Jesus. Maybe you don't, you've never been to church. Maybe it's your first time. This is a lot different than what we normally do. But for 17 years of my life, I was dead according to the Bible. Dead in my sins, dead in my trespasses. I was an enemy of God. I was, I was, I didn't even realize it, but that I was, I was an enemy of the cross and of God. Because I didn't have a relationship with Jesus. And I didn't step into a church and think, you know what I need? I need Jesus. I need God. I need to be saved. I need to be resurrected. I need to live. No. Just like Lazarus was in the tomb for four days, I was in the tomb for 17 years. And Jesus said, live. Scott Worthington, maybe, maybe Anthony Morales, I don't know where you sit. Live. For your sakes, I'm glad that Lazarus died so that I can show you that I bring dead people back to life. Then he goes on to say, in verses 25 and 26, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even if he dies, and everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? This story is not just about a dead guy being raised to life 2,000 years ago. This story is about Jesus bringing dead people to life. 
He is the resurrection and the life. And it says, do you believe this? That's really the question I want to ask tonight. Do you believe that? That Jesus is the resurrection and the life. That apart from God, apart from Christ, there is no life. Because He is the resurrection and the life. That makes it soul. That makes it, He's alone in that category. He's not part of life, He is life. So he asked, Martha, do you believe that? So I say, Scott, do you believe that? Hannah, do you believe that? Coral, do you believe that? Refuge students, do you believe that Jesus is life? Because the way you answer that question changes everything about the way you live. Everything. If Jesus is something that's an add-on to your life, he's not a big deal. But if Jesus is the very reason you live, he's a big deal. Out of this, I just want to kind of challenge us with two things. That's what you have on your notes page there. Out of this story, I think I was kind of challenged by a couple things. And that's all this is. Just so you know, the last two weeks, or the next two weeks, I should say, this week and next week, this story, and we're going to see this guy eventually get raised to life. This story is just what God's doing to me. That I was dead. I was blind. And Jesus said, live, see. Here's the first challenging statement that I want you to wrestle with. I think that too many alive people play dead. That's the blame. Too many alive people play dead. Here's what I mean by that. Scott Worthington is alive because, man, I have been resurrected. I have been given sight and life by Jesus eight years ago. Sometimes I act like that's not true. Sometimes I want to crawl back in the grave. I want to roll this rock back over the tomb. And I want to rock myself like a mummy and act like I'm dead, like I don't have life. I think that's true. There's way too many people who claim to have life that play dead. And I don't know if that's you tonight. How crazy is it for where it been for Lazarus, as we see next week, to pop out of the grave, see the world, say, wow, that worked, I'm alive. Live a few days and say, I'm going to actually go back. I like that better. That's more fun. That's where my friends are. That's what, that's what I think is better for me. You know, you're an idiot, Lazarus. That's what some of us do every single day. Hey, that's what I do sometimes. I'm not, I'm not hating. I'm not trying to be a bummer. I do that. I wrap myself like a mummy. I crawl in the grave and I act like Jesus didn't say, life, live. A couple things I thought dead people don't do. Dead people don't move. They're dead. But alive people, they move. A lot of people move throughout their schools and move throughout their, their families and move throughout their circle of friends and their lunch table. Dead people don't act. They don't, they don't do anything. They're dead. But a lot of people act. A lot of people act upon the fact that they are alive. 
from the Bible, I can show you a couple of ways that this is true. That you can't be partly raised to life. You're either dead or you're alive. Period. You're not one foot in the grave, one foot out. You're either dead or you're alive. In real life and in the Bible. Here's what it says in Revelation chapter 3. A lot of you guys have heard this. Jesus is talking to a church and he says this in Revelation 3, 5, or 15 through 16. He says, and this is to us today too. I know all the things you do. That they're neither hot or cold. I wish that you were one or the other. I wish that you were passionate about me like no other, or I wish you didn't give a rip about me. Because when you, when you, when you sit in the middle here at this lukewarm temperature, he says, I will spit you out of my mouth. I said, well, that's pretty harsh. Well, at least you're either alive or you're dead. But when, you, when you're right here in the middle, Jesus says, what's the point? You're either fully alive or you're fully dead. This is only two that make sense. You can't be partly alive. Galatians 2.20, I'm not saying my tattoo is cool, but when I was 19, I got a tattoo on my wrist that says Galatians 2.20, because at the time, and even still now, it's a big verse for me. Here's what it says, I have been crucified with Christ. I died with Christ. And it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. Here's what that says. I died with Christ and I was raised to life and now his life is the one in me. Second challenging statement. Not only do I think too many alive people play dead and I think the Bible shows that, that that's our, our natural bent and we see that every day with Christians and I see that with myself. But too many dead people don't know about life. Too many dead people don't know about life. For 16 years, I never knew about life. I'm talking, I didn't walk into a church. Like, I literally didn't know anything about Jesus. Even still today, you, you sing like little, you know, Jesus loves me, this I know. I'm in the dark. I just don't know it. I'm just like, I don't know these songs. And at your school, there's a lot of dead people who don't know about life. And they think they're alive right now, but they're living a lie. I wrote these in the back of my journal, and I hope you know your number of your school, or somewhere close. Because this should be in our hearts like crazy. Coronado, there's 2850 lost. 2,850 students that are dead tonight. That are separated from the resurrection and the life. 2,375 at Silverado. We shared these a few weeks ago. 1,900 at Liberty. 1,710 at Del Webb. 1,520 at Sylvester. 1,330 at Schofield. And the number's right around there for whatever school you go to. And there's a lot of dead people at Lake Mead, too. And there's some people in the room that have life. The story of Lazarus is not so we could read a story about a dead guy being raised to life. It's so that you and I can say, I have life. I've been raised from the dead. And now my job is to tell other people about life. 